Welcome to today's Association of the United States Army Thought Leaders Podcast on Suicide Awareness and Prevention. This is Colonel Retired Dan Roper, AUSA's Director of National Security Studies. I'll be serving as your host. To address this subject, we're fortunate to be joined by Dr. James Hellis, Director of the Army Resilience Directorate. A graduate of the United States Military Academy with a Master's in Political Science from the University of Pennsylvania and a Doctorate in International Relations from Fletcher School at Tufts, Dr. Hellis served 30 years in the U.S. Army Infantry, with his final assignments being one in Afghanistan, followed by being the chairman of the Department of National Security and Strategy at the United States Army War College. Most recently, he served as the National Security Counselor to the Assistant Secretary for Aviation and International Affairs at the Department of Transportation. More interesting than any of these impressive credentials, however, is that Dr. Hellis has served as the Superintendent of the United States Merchant Marine Academy for six years. Well, I'm certain we can do an entire episode on the adventures of an infantryman training our nation's elite merchant mariners. Unfortunately, that will have to wait for another day. Dr. Hellis, welcome to Thought Leaders. Dan, thanks for that introduction, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today. We're looking forward to your comments. Before we dig down into the subject of today's podcast, the Suicide Awareness and Prevention, it would be helpful if you could help our audience understand what the Army Resilience Directorate is about, since resilience is a word that's almost achieved buzzword status in almost every field and discipline. Nearly every type of organization or initiative seems to be pursuing it. So could you please describe how the Army views resilience and the role your directorate plays enhancing the resilience of soldiers, their families, and the force? The Army Resilience Directorate is housed in the Deputy Chief of Staff G1. We have a broad portfolio that includes the promotion and development of individual resilience, as well as the prevention of sexual assault, sexual harassment, suicide, and substance abuse. When we think of resilience, we think of it as not just what most people think of as the ability to bounce back from adversity or you know getting up once you've been knocked down, so to speak. But it's also the ability to have the strength, the confidence, and the skills to power through challenges. The ability to focus on problem solving, to think of strategies for dealing with problems and with coping, to working well with your teammates, to push forward and deal with challenges and problems as they come up. We see resilience contributing to readiness. It makes for stronger soldiers, stronger families enhances cohesion at teams when everybody is working at their peak of performance. And it's also a protective factor to help soldiers, particularly in suicide prevention, to give them the skills, the abilities to work through problems and challenges so they do not turn into crises that spiral sometimes, unfortunately, and tragically into suicidal behaviors. Thanks for that. That's useful context and help understanding how the Army defines resilience and that it's got a very proactive element to it, not just being reactive and gutting your way through something or dealing with it after the fact. Now, we've heard the Chief of Staff of the Army, General McConville, quite frequently refer to harmful behaviors that the Army must tackle head-on. These behaviors include, as you stated, sexual harassment and sexual assault, extremism, racism, and behavioral problems that may lead to suicide. Could you tell us the magnitude of the Army's suicide problem and how has it been exacerbated by COVID? It's no secret that the Army has faced challenges with death by suicide in recent years, particularly in the active component. We've seen a slow but persistent rise in the rate of suicide among active duty soldiers since at least 2018, preceding the COVID pandemic. 
At this time, we have not seen any evidence yet that tells us that the increase in suicide that continued through 2020 was exacerbated by COVID. Part of that, again, is just we don't see any evidence of that yet, and it's probably too early for us in the analysis process to be able to judge that COVID exacerbated the suicide problem. But it has certainly been a growing problem, again, particularly in the active component. And in what age demographic has the Army and family members suffered the most deaths by suicide? Within the Army, the demographic that is most affected by death by suicide is in the 18, 19 to 24, 26-year-old age range. By grade, it's with E3 to E6. Over 90% of the deaths by suicide in the Army are male, and combat arms is the most common for career military field. For family members, the numbers that are reported for deaths by suicide are so small that it's hard to indicate that there are any real significant trends in there that we can track or any audience we could say is at highest risk for suicide amongst our civilians and family members. Thank you for that breakdown. That gives a better visual of where the challenges are, so therefore where the most opportunities are to get to the left of the driving factors and help mitigate this problem in advance. Now, going back to what the chief had talked about with the harmful behaviors, it seems pretty clear that while the other harmful behaviors can be mitigated to a limited extent, ideally even prevented before the fact, death by suicide is different. Since it's not possible to mitigate death by suicide, only proactive actions to address its potential drivers would appear to be useful. Anything less than getting to the left of its occurrence is a failure. Since obviously it's not just tied to COVID, and understand that the data is going to lag as the final determinations made on the circumstances. But how do myriad harmful factors, which include but probably not limited to things like financial problems, poor relationships, drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse, access to child care, access to and the stigma associated with behavioral health care, or toxic work environments, poor leadership and command climate or other conditions contribute to death by suicide? And can the Army address suicide prevention in isolation, or must it do so holistically in conjunction with all these other factors? Yeah, Dan, you've really touched upon the complexity of death by suicide and by suicidal behavior and how there's no one single cause in most cases that these are multi-causal and complex events involving human behaviors. I would push back a little bit when you say it can't be mitigated. I think it can be. Part of our program is training soldiers and leaders to understand the warning signs of suicidal behavior, suicidal thoughts, and how to intervene to get soldiers to the help that they need when they're in a crisis that's pressing them towards the point at which they're contemplating harming themselves. So we do press for uh, that intervention in part because some of the research indicates that the time between suicidal ideation, when somebody first thinks about it and acting on it, can be short. In some cases, it can be even minutes. So we do look to try to intervene. But you're right, too, that we want to look at this more holistically. We want to move it upstream to the left of boom on the timeline to address the problem holistically. So part of the effort is looking at better engaged leadership. This is my squad is a key initiative in that area where we are looking at leaders getting to know their soldiers, understanding their soldiers challenges and being able to connect their soldiers with support resources before a challenge spins into a crisis that can lead to harmful behavior or to self-harm. We commonly see suicide issues connected with relationships, with finances, with work-related problems, with discipline problems. 
And so those are not uncommon within the demographic that's at risk for suicide. But what's key is to get the soldiers the help that they need before they spend in a crisis. And engaged leadership is a key part of that. And we do have to look at this holistically because we do see that there are overlaps in climate factors that increase the risks for death by suicide for the other behaviors that we're trying to eliminate within the Army. So we are trying to look at this more holistically. We're doing this with an ARD, the People First Task Force, led by Brigadier General Chris Norris, also looking at a more holistic approach to prevention for the Army of how we get about addressing, in particular, the climate factors, the unit factors that increase the risks not only for suicide, but for other harmful behaviors. Thanks. That sort of confirms, I think, what a lot of people suspect, that there are many different contributing factors, and some are maybe above the line that can be recognized, and other ones are harder to recognize. But your point about getting the resources to the front and giving them the tools before a situation that's challenging turns into a crisis is absolutely critical. So everybody is armed with the resources that they require. So what specifically is the Army's Suicide Prevention Program? The Suicide Prevention Program is a holistic, public health-centered effort to try to address suicide and suicidal behaviors from far upstream, as we just talked about, about addressing individual challenges to intervention and then to post-pension to what do we do after a suicide event to learn from it, both to help the unit recover and to gain lessons learned to potentially prevent future incidents. Keys in the program are training for soldiers to understand the signs of suicidal behavior, the risk signs, the warning signs, and how to intervene to help your buddy to get them connected with resources for leaders to be able to connect soldiers with resources. It is looking at TIMS and looking at climate. We're looking at encouraging help-seeking behaviors to reduce the stigma of seeking assistance and support when you have challenges. Part of our warrior ethos is we're strong and we're tough and we take care of problems, but everybody faces problems in life for which they need help. And there's no shame and there's no embarrassment for seeking help when you need it. And for engaged leaders and for all of us, you know, when your buddy comes up, one of your soldiers comes up saying, I have a challenge, I need help. We need to make sure that door is open, that we have a good ear and then can connect the soldiers with the resources they need to help them with their problems and then continue to follow up. You know, and that connection is not just giving them a phone number, but it's actually making sure they get connected with military family life counselors, or we get them to ACS2 financial counseling and classes, or we get them to parenting classes. You proactively get them connected with the resource they need. And then looking even further upstream, what are the things that we can do institutionally across the Army in terms of creating positive command climates we've talked about? about reducing op tempo, which is one of the chief's goals is to slow the op tempo down, certainly to make it more predictable to reduce the disruptions on family lives, on soldiers' lives, to reduce those stressors in their lives. You know, to some, the suicide prevention program is holistic from getting as far upstream as we can of the problem to address the root issues and the root causes right down to the after an event occurs of how do we help a unit recover from this and how do we gather lessons learned from each one of these tragedies so that we can try to prevent them from happening again in the future. There's obviously a lot of effort being expended on this. Are there any other initiatives downstream that you have not yet implemented but hope to to address this situation? Right now, we are completely rewriting the publications that support the Army Suicide Prevention Program. For the first time, we're going to have an Army regulation that is the Suicide Prevention Program that is a standalone regulation that is not embedded in other programs. 
with an accompanying Department of the Army pamphlet and guides for leaders both at the senior level and down to the junior level. So we're restructuring all of that on a rapid rewrite that was directed by General Martin, the Vice Chief of Staff, last July. And, you know, for those familiar Army publication process, we're sitting here in August looking at publishing as early as September, October and having these tools out to commanders. So that's a major undertaking is completely updating, revising the formal steps of the program, more clearly defining leaders' responsibilities as echelon and through the guidebooks and the handbooks, providing them more tactics, techniques, procedures for how they would implement the program down at echelon at their level. And again, the People First Task Force is looking at all problems people-wise from a very holistic enterprise-level look, looking at improving the governance structures, how we oversee the suicide prevention program, and how that is integrated with other like programs across the Army. It's good to see that the Army's prioritized people because we've all been in organizations where everybody says the most important part of the organization is the people. Sometimes that's not quite enough to move in on this. If addressed adequately, improvements in health care, child care, spouse employment, permanent change of station moves, and housing and barracks could potentially reduce some stressors that may contribute to harmful behaviors, but clearly more is needed. An effective prevention program is going to require sustained leader prioritization and resourcing if it's going to have a meaningful impact. So what concerns do you have in this area about resourcing, particularly regarding the shortage of behavioral health professionals? Dan, what I would start with and go through, you know, the items you listed, healthcare, childcare, spouse employment, housing barracks, PCS, those are all top priorities for the Army senior leadership. Anytime that we engage with them talking about people, there's a recognition that those are important for taking care of people, improving quality of life, and the improvement in quality of life would provide protective factors and help mitigate some of the harmful and damaging behaviors we're seeing that undercut cohesion and undercut unit readiness. So those are all high priorities. And I think you know, everybody knows by now that the Army has formally made people the number one priority. So it has been prioritized, people have been prioritized, and people programs have been prioritized by the senior leadership. When we talk about the issue of behavioral health professionals, that's not just a challenge for the Army, that's a challenge across society of having enough behavioral health professionals. And looking at how we go about that, the concerted effort to recruit, to develop, to retain high-quality talent are the central pillars of the Army people strategy, applying not only to the uniform side, but also to the civilian workforce. So we are aware of the challenges we have of recruiting people who are in high demand across society. I would say one step that we have taken in the behavioral health realm that spun out of COVID was going to telehealth, particularly telehealth for behavioral health services. What we've seen with that is we're now able to make more appointments. We see fewer cancellations. We see fewer missed appointments with the availability of telehealth. I think part of that is a convenience factor. I think all of us have now had some experience with it under COVID. It's much easier to just get up, get on your device and make contact with your provider. It also kind of reduces the stigma. If you're doing it by telehealth, you can do this after hours. You know, you don't need that formal appointment time to leave work to go off to the clinic. And while we've seen reductions in the stigma of attending behavioral health, it's still present, not just in the Army, but it's a societal issue. And so the provision of telehealth behavioral health services has been a mitigator and helped with that shortage of behavioral health professionals. Thanks for that. That's good to know that we're getting after that and tying it to talent management. And again, that is obviously right at the very top of the chief's priorities. And the Army really is taking some long overdue steps to fix some of these gaps. Now, let's come to the present. 
How is the Army leveraging Suicide Prevention Month in 2021 to have a meaningful impact on the harmful behaviors of suicide in order to enable its soldiers, their family members, and the force to be more resilient? I would start that we're in September. It is Suicide Prevention Month, but suicide prevention is a year-round everyday activity for everybody. Again, as we've talked about, it's about understanding and engaging with our soldiers, knowing what their challenges are, connecting them with the support they need, and moving even further left of the issue. It's building a climate of cohesion and support where every soldier feels supported. They engage in help-seeking behaviors. And again, that's a year-round, every-day-of-the-week activity for our leaders. In Suicide Prevention Month, at different installations, they will have different programs and different ways to approach it, but it's putting a little bit of extra emphasis on it in the month. It's increasing awareness, putting forth more efforts in terms of training. We've provided considerable promotional materials, educational materials are pushed out from the Resilience Directorate down to the force. We see senior leaders engaging. The vice chief of staff has been engaging with senior leaders on a monthly basis on the issue of suicide prevention since spring of 2020. So it'll be, an, again, an effort to just highlight for the one month a little bit more what the issues and challenges are and understanding everybody's role in suicide prevention. Thanks for tying that together, Force. I think your point about suicide prevention isn't do it once a year in September and think it's going to have any meaningful, lasting impact. It's doing this every day, and the decisive point is not in the Pentagon or in anybody's headquarters. It's at the soldier, civilian, family member level with their friends and their colleagues and their neighbors. That's where this is going to be successful. I'd like to ask you, this has been an outstanding mini-tutorial on this, and listening to your comments, it strikes me that with people being prioritized in the Army, like you said, legitimately, it is the number one priority. I suspect there's still going to be challenges downstream showing that the investments in preventive programs lead to the quality in life, cost savings, and readiness, and it actually makes the force more lethal, more resilient, and more effective. So I think your efforts in Suicide Prevention Month are going to go a long way to help people understand that the input gives us the output in lethality and readiness that we need, and it's not just a separate stovepipe program. I'd like to ask you for your final summary comments and what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Every death by suicide is a tragedy. It's a tragedy for the soldier. It's a tragedy for their family. It's a tragedy for their buddies and for the unit. Having seen this, it can really debilitate a unit when a soldier is lost to a death by suicide. For everybody, I would say, if you know somebody who is in crisis or you're concerned about, talk to them. Ask them bluntly straight out, are you thinking about hurting yourself? You know, the research says that that question is not going to cause somebody to begin thinking about harming themselves. So don't be shy about stepping in. If you see something, if you're concerned about something, show that concern by stepping in and asking the questions. And if they've got problems, connect them with help. For everybody, if you know somebody who's in crisis or you yourself are in crisis, the military crisis line, 800-273-8255 or text to 838-255. That is available for active duty, family members, veterans. Contact them. There's help right there on the crisis line, and they can do work to connect you with resources right there in your local area. But if you know something or you know somebody in distress or you are yourself, seek help. There's no shame in seeking help. Everybody in life has their stresses, their crises, and there's no shame or should be no embarrassment in seeking out the help that you need to get through that. 
begin. This is a high priority item for the Army senior leadership. Every loss to death by suicide is a tragedy, and know that the leadership at every echelon is working to improve this. But again, as you said, Dan, the key is engaged leadership, particularly down at the junior levels, knowing soldiers and taking care of your soldiers. That's such a strong message. Thanks to Dr. James Hellis for joining us today to explain how the Army is addressing the incredibly complex challenge posed by death by suicide and how it's taking steps to identify and influence the many factors that may help in preventing this harmful behavior. Thank you even more for what you and your team are doing for soldiers and their families to increase their resilience and create a better future for them and for the U.S. Army. We wish you success in your critical role. Thank you. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.